Welcome back, everyone, to Out of the Main. John, how have you been? Uh, I wasn't expecting that question. You <laughs> I, see, you're trying to catch me off guard. I've been waiting for the sun to rise. How's that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you'd be able to pull yourself out of that one like that. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Well, again, yeah, welcome, everyone. Of course, you can find us at outofthemain.com and, of course, Facebook, Twitter. And don't forget to su- subscribe and like. And I think that's everything I'm legally obligated to say as a professional podcaster. So without further ado, let's welcome back to the program a guest we had in September 2021. It seems like just yesterday, but uh, we had so much fun, we thought we'd do it again. And welcome back, everyone, the great Mark Jordan. Mark, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Delighted to be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> delighted to exist. Well, like we said, uh, so we, I did go back and look because I couldn't remember how long ago it was. It was September 2021, uh, and a lot's happened since then. Uh, most recently was an album that you teased on our last appearance, but is now out. And John, since you uh, uh, delivered the pun just on time, what is the name of the record? Oh, the new one, Waiting for the Sun to Rise? Waiting for the sun to rise. So, Mark, I was surprised um, not only with the timing of this, because it seemed to come right on the heels of uh, the record you did with Amy, but also the style takes a different turn. It's quite jazzy. So tell us a little bit about how this record came to be in your collaborator. I think it's Lou Pamonti. Is that how you say it? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, Lou and I did a record uh, 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 before this, um, and uh, we uh, I enjoyed working with him, and uh, he's a, he's a sensational arranger you know and um so uh this record took a hell of a long time to to make because of covid and it was hard to get you know musicians i i like to record uh i like to get players together still you know i'm old school like that and i i like the magic that happens if you if you hire the right guys, it's it can be exponentially great, you know. So that was difficult, but we had enough, you know, interaction that that we made it all work. And uh, they're more. Um, the last record uh, had a lot of covers on it, and 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 the duet record as well had a lot of covers on it. But uh, this one uh, is mostly uh, original material. You know, I noticed that um, when, when I listened to this, the first, uh, well, let me go back to when we had Mark on before. You talked about, we discovered you through the Yacht Rock era and area. Right. Yet you told us, I remember back that when you're most comfortable singing and what your greatest influences are jazzy things. Yeah. So coming into this record, hearing, knowing that, um, between that and the arrangements that Lou did, I'm getting... I get these, it reminded me of like 50s era Sinatra, like in the wee small hours, there's sort of that that swooning sort of feel. And I get some uh, little threads of like Miles is kind of blue in there. But um, was that, is that, I, I mean, we could tell by the arrangements, that's what you're attempting to evoke. But do, do, what did you have in mind when you said, I want to set out to make this record, even though we know it's been a few years? I never really have a goal in a way. Like I, I know what style uh, I want to, you know, I've gone in and out of different, you know, because I've been in the industry so long. I, yeah, when I started, it was more, that was the yacht rock era and the players played like that. And so the records kind of sounded like that, 
but then it, we got into sampling and then that whole other thing and 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 then huge uh intricate productions because when synthesizers really got going and sampling and stuff but so i i've always i've always tried to like not what's the right words to say not really um think too much about the end product i i just like I like I get the best songs that I can and songs that I enjoy singing and yes uh, I I I learned to jazz phrasing and 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 things like that very early on and it was you know it was it was my influ first influence really was that that kind of, was Ella and and Billie Holiday and and stuff like that and uh, so this is a bit of a return, I guess, to that. And, uh, it's the, it's the music I, I think I most love. And, uh, I, um, and we, and we did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I could uh, quickly follow up, what was all you, you said you like to get players together and obviously we've got orchestra, we've got piano, we've got your vocal and then uh, rhythm section. There's a lot of, uh, very rubato untempoed sections of this. So, it gives the feeling that everybody is cutting live, including yourself. But what did it really look like, if you're willing to give that away? Um, well, uh, uh, we, we got some people in, in for instance, we, we used uh, the orchestra in Prague, and they were all, and they were fine. You know, I guess the, the COVID thing wasn't as, they weren't masked and, and they they so they did all the orchestral stuff and we, we did that live so that was that was phenomenal and then um you know we'd get uh if we if we you know depending on the studio we could get a, a big enough studio we would put everybody in an iso booth and then you know if it, and we we went into the biggest places we could and and so we we would uh we would be separate separated not sitting in a you know in one big room we put everybody in separate booths and it's a little less intimate maybe but but it it it, it it's better than the the alternative for sure so an orchestra was added then after it would so somebody following the piano track or whatever would attempt to conduct the orchestra during these rubato sections yes that's exactly right well you you even lou superimposed clicks oh okay and then he would slow them down in the robot like he would line them up so it, it make that was very smart because it made it easier on the on the on the orchestra and on the conductor there too all right john feel free to cut this but Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto, and that's Lou Pamonte. Yeah. So that, <laughs> good job. Um, job. You mentioned, uh, since you brought up the Yacht Rock years, and you brought up bringing guys together because it's more authentic, I was interested to see the name Randy Brecker make an appearance on this record. So uh, is that something you had by intent, or did the song call for it? You said, I, I got to go get Randy to do this. Well, he, he played on the, the, the previous record, too. Um, he... Uh, I I, li I just like Randy. <laughs> You've known him since Blue Desert. I saw you uh, miming his solo a few weeks ago on Facebook. So yeah. No, no, that wasn't that. That wasn't. Uh, oh, that's right. That was. Um, um, 
<laughs> I might oh, have to cut to that out. I know one of Jerry Hayes guys uh, that was, Jerry. I think it was Jerry, Jerry Hay or uh, the other the flugelhorn. Oh man, <gasps> Jerry Grant? Nope, the other one. <laughs> I think it was that, Jerry. Um, was it Jerry? That's not the name that comes to mind for me. But uh, hmm, you would know Is better he- than me. But. Uh, but I know it's <laughs> yeah. a long time ago, so who knows? Yeah. So this Chuck Finley. This Chuck Finley. Chuck Finley. Okay. Now, now we can keep it in, John. Okay. Phew. Okay. <laughs> um. So just to clarify, you didn't go into this project saying I'm going to make a traditional jazz record. It just started to take on a life of its own, and eventually you come up with a tune. Coltrane plays the blues, and it's just like divine inspiration. I wrote Coltrane plays the blues. 15 years ago. Really? <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that was... So, a, so this project's been in you for a while. Well, it, but it was, it, was, it was quite different. It, it, in The demo was quite different. It was almost like a pop demo. Mm. You know, it was faster. And it was, uh, you know, I, di- I did that with John, my longtime collaborator, John Kapek. And... Um, we wrote that, and I've, I, I've always loved it. And I thought, you know, I played it for Lou, and, and we we kicked around the way to do it, you know, and um, with the horns and the and it, it just worked out great because it has a kind of urban uh, uh, lyric, you know, it has that kind of one look in this street. Rockin' baby Cool jam Black earth At my feet That bass line so reminds me of Kind of Blue. Um, <laughs> and another one that does, I don't know where this came from. My wife is probably the, well, in her mind, the biggest Tears for Fears fan of all time. And uh, there's another intro that reminds me of something off of uh, of uh, kind of blue. But then you're doing tears so for what? fear. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's exactly what I'm hearing. Well, that's I've always thought that about tears for fears. I get, I thought. Yeah. I've always thought that. Oh my god! The first time I heard it, I thought everybody wants to rule the world, man. Welcome to your there's no turning back Even while we sleep We will find you acting I've never made that connection before, but now that you said that, Mark, I'm never going to be able to unhear that. John, there's a mashup that you got to make for this. Uh, pass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they'll pass on that. <laughs> This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. 
Well, since we, we also you brought up the the yacht rock era, and of course, people listening to the show would, if we didn't bring up the yacht rock stuff, would be like, "Do they even know who Mark Jordan is?" So, <laughs> we will we'll link to the episode that we kind of went through all of that in greater detail. But if you don't mind, just for maybe people who haven't heard that yet or um, are are curious, I thought this the story, just the overall story arc of how you go from a musician trying to get noticed in Toronto to finally in L.A. in a room with Gary Katz in the yeah. session cats um is interesting that must have relay that from your own perspective again you're trying to make it in new york by way or in toronto by way of new york and then what happens you know i always i always sent stuff down or my manager always sent stuff down to california you know uh and uh in those days tapes you know because suddenly uh somebody heard it at warner brothers and uh, I think we sent it to Lenny, sent it to Lenny, and he played it for Mo, and Mo played it for Gary. And Gary, Gary was uh, over at um, at Warner at that point. He'd he'd, he'd gone from, uh, uh, I guess it was A and M, where Steely was, and uh, so. They sent, they, they had talent scouts in those days. They sent a guy named Marty Cohen. Uh, he was a, an amazing man. He, he, he discovered the, the Doobie Brothers and a few other big, big acts, you know. And, uh, and so he came to Toronto and it was winter. <laughs> <laughs> I know where this is going. And, uh, yeah. yeah, he was chilly, <laughs> and uh, uh, we um, d- luck would have it. My band was playing uh, a gig, I think, at El Macombo here in Toronto. I, I, as I remember, and he came to the gig, and he liked it, and he. So we sent him more stuff, and and they. They said, yeah, we want to sign this guy. So it was like, you know, I think uh, November, December or something. And I, I, they flew me down and I, I was in the studio before I'd even signed the contract. It, it had happened really wow. fast. It was incredible. And, um, it, and it, it was, um, you know, here I am with Jeff Picaro and, um, David Page, I think, was on piano. We used a number of piano players and and I like the bass player, I can't even remember who it was that day, but but you know, there were a lot of moving parts and uh Lukather was there and <laughs> and there I am with my acoustic guitar, you know, singing uh Marina Del Rey and um no, I hadn't written Maria Del Rey yet. Maria Del Rey, I wrote there down there. So I was singing like Mystery Man and stuff like that. And um and uh I was just, you know, because I recorded those songs like demos in Toronto and and um, it was okay, but they brought a whole other thing to it. Abel Boreal was there. Ah, uh, wow. So what was your state of mind at this time? So you're you're signed or you're not quite signed on that first day, but you're come yeah. from Toronto, you're going to be on what was it? It was Warner. You've got 
uh, Gary Katz, Steely Dance producer. You've got Al Schmidt, uh, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, were you in a place of mind where you were feeling your oats and you thought, I am all of that and I'm going to show these L.A. cats what's like? Or were you like, oh, my God, where am I? A little bit of both. And uh, it was, oh, my God, where am I? <laughs> but it didn't last long because, and it didn't last long because those guys were really very, very helpful. Like there was no attitude. There was no bullshit. They were just so kind to me. They knew I I, I was a little scared and uh, they just made it easy for me. And I got to say, Singing with those cats was unbelievable. It was like jumping on a trampoline. You know, they they lifted you up. And uh, I can't I can't say enough about the kindness that they they showed me. I have to. Were you there hanging out in the studio as their sessions were coming in? So if a Luther's coming in to lay down a solo, are you there watching? Oh yeah, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know why I was there? Because I didn't have a car. I didn't have a car. <laughs> when I got there, they stuck me in. They owned a condo in Malibu, right on the beach. And the engineer, uh, Roger Nichols, just lived down the road. So he had an illegal car. He had a, 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 a track-ready Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't wasn't legally or a, like a road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he used to pick me up outside on Pacific Coast Highway and drive me to the Village Recorder every day at 120 miles an hour, probably. At a yeah, and girls <laughs> dig this. Girls would like they go holy smokes, and uh, it was convertible, and they. They'd write their numbers on pieces of paper. This happened 50 times, I swear to God. And then they'd pull up beside us and throw Roger their phone number on the highway, driving. So anyway, that's... If they only knew what a techie nerd type he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine Mark's like catching pieces yeah, of paper out like there and stuff them, right? <laughs> And Roger's there hitting Roger in the head. He doesn't care. anyway so he drove into the studio so i i was there until he he was the last one to leave and i was there until then so i i spent a good you know 16 hours every day or at least at least between 12 and 16 hours every day and that's going to school in a hurry yeah definitely 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 and then you go to school for your next record because was this the first time that you were introduced to Jay Graydon was through this professional, this next recording session? No, he played on Mannequin. So I, I met him there, and, and then he he um, uh, he wanted to do a record. And uh, I um, had some meetings with him, and 
you know, he's such a he's such an interesting guy. <laughs> have you ever interviewed? Yeah, him? we have a three part yes. episode. Hey, one interview that lasted for three episodes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the the reason I brought Jay up was kind of in yeah. a serious context with Johnson's go, going to school. So this, I mean, you're essentially a rookie when you're recording the first record. I'm assuming, and you're just learning so much. How did that change in the set? Because you also have what became a legendary producer, a huge, I mean, an A team of session cats. Did you learn more, more quickly, or were you able to apply what you learned in the second recording and it felt more comfortable to you? Well, it was more comfortable. I mean, we did it at Jay's home studio and, and, um, it, it definitely, I was used to living in LA by that point, And, um, and, uh, you know, I love Jay. We were, great friends to this day and uh and he uh you know he's he's an easy guy to be around and uh did you he was something of a uh a young producer in his yeah. career at that point was he, was he still i mean i think you last time you were on you called him a, a mad scientist a or something like that yeah. is, he is a yeah. genius absolutely. yeah absolutely was he a genius there or was he learning to become a genius if you look back and think about it no, I, 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 I think his whole life has been learning, but clearly he was off the chart in those days too. I mean, he used to have me sometimes hold down, stand yeah. behind him. Yeah, we asked him about that. You explained that, and we asked him about it, and he verified it. So go ahead and explain to the audience that didn't well, hear it. I can't explain <laughs> it because I don't know how the hell he... I would go behind him and stick my hands on the fretboard and then he play around it. I, I don't, I couldn't see what he was doing really. Cause I was behind him. And, uh, but he, and, and I, but I did watch, you know, when I came back to Toronto, I, I, after that record, I had a big Canadian tour and I, 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 I uh, used the guitar player here and he, he was a brilliant guitar player. Like, you know, totally schooled and but he he was going nuts trying to play those solos he goes they're unplayable you know and i <laughs> yeah yeah I said, oh. <laughs> it's funny when we asked jay about that he kind of he verified it but then he kind of waved it off and said well mark knows how to play guitar so it wasn't a big deal <laughs> as if you were doing other <laughs> than holding notes down no baby <laughs> i had I put I put my hands where he told me to, and they would stay there. Hold on, yeah, hold on, baby. Yeah, and I'm sure what followed, John, was a lengthy technical explanation of the chord voicing. Oh, yeah. And- <laughs> well, if I can move uh, quickly forward, so really, for yacht rock fans, you have the three albums that are considered essential listening. We covered Mannequin, we covered Blue Desert, now a little bit, and then came Hole in the Wall. Which was only yeah. released in Japan, as I understand, at the time. Yes. And is it? It's listed as self-produced, but you said Foster, because he was in on the sessions, played a significant role. Can you just give us a synopsis of how that album was put together? Well, we, David, um, Patty Austin, and myself were signed to this label called Sound Design in Japan, and they. I think it was a new label. I'm not really sure. I I guess it was a new label, and they wanted some Americans on it, and they signed the three of us. So 
um, we went to Japan and we did the big ceremony and blah, blah, blah. And we came back and, and they gave me a budget and, and uh, we, we worked at the Yamaha studio, which was brand new in those days. And I wrote a couple of songs on that record with, with Foster and he wanted to play on them, but he produced them too. He's such a, he's a very kind, you know, David's an amazing guy and he's been so kind to me and, and he is, he's, and to others, you know, and uh, he, he really helped me out because uh, he wanted the songs to sound good. And he, you know, he produced them better than I would for sure. And um, uh, so he helped out and, uh, and played on them and helped me produce them. And, and there it was. I used to b- debate John, whether, um, uh, mannequin or blue desert was the the better quote unquote yacht rock album and now i've decided that it is hole in the world <laughs> <laughs> so and it's like i, I think i'm pretty set on that well, it does now, have so. margarita on it well, margarita so. it, it, it is the in terms of uh streaming it's the biggest song i i have i mean it's unbelievable how many streams it's at millions well i mean that should encourage people to dive deeper and start streaming the other stuff mm-hmm. just as well. So, um, and speaking of streaming something probably to it's, uh, run out of streaming <laughs> juice is, uh, this album that came out, like I said, in 2022, right after we talked last, the, it was collaboration with your wife, Amy skies, songwriting, singing, performing together. If people have not heard that album, they got to go listen to that. And, um, I asked you before, but the album wasn't done. So I want to ask you again, now that I've heard it all, what was the recording process for that? Because it's recorded just beautifully and just performances are outstanding. And that's, he saying, she saying, yeah, well, we, Amy and I have been, uh, we have a house, uh, in, um, below Alabama in Florida. And we have very, we at various times, both our kids have lived in Nashville. So we've been on these epic drives we drive down together and, uh, and we sing in the car. I'd love to just be in the back seat behind the couch <laughs> listening to that. But well, um, anyway, we lo- we love it. We love to sing together. And and uh, eventually, we got three or four or five songs that we love to sing together. And uh, so, I think I I think it was on a trip to. Florida, we went through Nashville to see Zoe and and we and we record we went to the studio and recorded uh I think four of them. And they sounded great, you know. And, and we, we never really recorded together uh you know, uh, lead vocals together. And duets are hard too, you know. And uh because I'm you know, my as you probably Notice my phrasing is all over the fucking place, you know. Yeah, you don't double your own vocals, I'll bet. You don't want to try and double. Um, but I don't. Very, I, I have done it, but oh boy, it, it ain't easy. So, uh, that, so anyway, we didn't know how it would turn out, but it, it turned out really nicely, and we we played it for a record company up here, and they want they that said definitely we need to do this and. And so we did, we did most of the beds in Nashville, uh, uh, 
and over the years, actually. And then we we finished them in Toronto. You know, I remember when that first came out, Tom, that I, I looked at the song list and I asked you, did we really need another version of God Only Knows? And then I finally listened to it and I thought, oh my <laughs> gosh, yes, we did. That That is really... A song that you think, yeah, but you think you've heard everything there is to hear in it in all the other versions, and yet yours just comes alive. It just bursts out of the speakers as it builds at the end. Boy, wow. And the answer obviously was, well, we needed that version, that's for sure. And um, I just wanted to make, hopefully this will get back to Amy, but um, my on an album that has plenty of classic covers, my favorite song in the entire thing is Long Shot. Which she wrote with, I'm not familiar. Who is the her collaborator, Anthony Vanderberg? Anthony Vanderberg. He is brilliant. And he's a guitar player and producer here in Toronto. And we started, when we first came back to Canada, Amy worked with him a lot. However, he has a debilitating disease, which they actually don't know what it is, I don't think. And he his he, he can't play guitar really anymore, and it's it's sad. It, it you know it breaks my heart. But anyway, he helped us out on a on a couple of things, and you know worked with players, and and it was you know he could work a couple hours a day, but he's really uh, not well. And but anyway. Uh, he wrote that song with Amy. And- Fantastic song. Um, all right. Well, could we switch gears slightly from your uh, talents as a musician and uh, composer to uh, somewhat of a hidden talent that you touched on last time we spoke, but we didn't get into it much. And we're seeing more and more of your artwork now as you get more, at least it seems like more active on Instagram. So, Tell us, you, you did mention that you were an artist and you get inspiration visually as well as you do musically. So just tell us a little bit more about your foray into, is it paint? Is it acrylic? Is it, what is it? Anything I can lay my hands on. <laughs> it's got graffiti markers. It's house paint. It's artist acrylics. It's this, it's anything. And um, I, I, I get all my canvases and my frames uh, uh, at the dump. <laughs> really? <laughs> Most of them. No kidding. Not not the big not the big canvases, but the the smaller ones. I get them, and I repurpose them, and I fix them up, and and then I paint, and uh, I call it flat music because. They're they're sort of abstract, you know. I other I, I have a series of red canoe paintings, which are quite. I love canoes, so they're the perfect technology <laughs> in a lot of ways, you know. That's yeah. And uh, so 
I have a bunch of those, but I the the abstract ones are sort of I call it flat music, and and they they're they're sort of abstract Dolly esque pictures of instruments and people playing them and things like that. But they, it's very abstract, and I I, uh, I love to I'm obsessed with doing. Them. Did you ever do any of your album covers back in the day? I think of like Reckless Valentine. I guess is one that's a little. A little different, but did you did you do any of those? I think I did. I was just going to look that up because that's one that just in my mind seems like a. I can't. I can't think of the. I'm sure I did. So while he, John's looking for that, what I notice about your visual art is similar to your music art. Is that I see like some almost different genres. Like the you talked about this the, the style that you just described. Those are like eye popping, but then you also do like something that looks more like uh, watercolor almost, and there's like landscapes. Yeah. And so do you, similar to the way you approach an album, do you start out thinking I'm going to create this and it has to be in this medium? Or is it just, I'm going to start whatever I could grab is going on the canvas and we're going to let inspiration have its way. Well, it's mostly inspiration. I, I'm i um, uh, dyslexic and I have uh, a lot of, uh, like, uh, I have learning disabilities. And so... Everything I do, I do from within. It comes from within me because I don't really know how to learn very well. So my guitar playing is a little bit taught, but mostly what I do, what I just it's sort of invent. And, and, and it's the same with melodies and uh, uh, lyrics. Uh, I, they, they come there, you know, melody is language, the same as lyric. And, and uh, so to me, it's all saying something. It's all saying something. And the trick is to make it all say the same thing. And it's the same with painting. You know, you can't just do anything. It has to connect in a way that, that your imagination can hear what it's saying or see what it's saying. And that, you know, the brain, that's what the brain wants to do anyway. It, 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 hmm. um, maybe I mentioned this to you before, but, you know, when you look at clouds, you don't see clouds. You see a dog's head or you see a witch's broom or do you know what I'm saying? Because your, sure. your brain is wired for survival to connect the dots, to make sense out of chaos. And inside my head is all chaos, <laughs> but my, yeah. but my brain tries to connect the dots. And what comes out is a, is a, is a synthesis between Chaos and order. I'll put it that way. Yeah. So the act of creating then is catharsis for you, I would imagine, right? I can't stop. Because I, I have a son who's got similar <laughs> conditions. Yeah, exactly. Is the art available for purchase? Yeah. Or where can people learn more about it? I did that. Can you see that? Yeah, uh, that was the other one I was going to ask about. I'm looking at that one right now on a Perfect Day album. is what he's holding up right now. Yeah, so that's more the watercolor look. Yeah. That's part of a painting, but that's a big painting, but I just used part of it. Oh. And that's the guy. 
That's a guy looking. So if people want to purchase the art that you're doing now, just uh, markjordan.com or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know of some people that want to already. So we're hooking them up with yeah, you. flat music, flat music. Flat, that's right. Flat music. <laughs> Uh, well, I, last question for me is not really a question. It's more of a thank you um, because we haven't spoken in person like this since you helped us with a a cause that John and I are, are trying to help along. TJ George has a nonprofit to benefit um, the victims of opioid abuse. And uh, we put together a Christmas compilation last year, and we heard through uh, the grapevine that there may be a volume two coming. But you are, uh, and Amy were gracious enough to contribute a song, your version, also off He Sang, She Sang, which is an awesome version of uh, Baby It's Cold Outside. But you did it with a twist. Well, you know, uh, everything you do now is... Uh, yeah, under scrutiny. You yeah. Know, criticized from some angle. Uh, so, uh, so believe it or not, Baby It's Cold Outside... So, you know, they go, they went, uh, somebody uh, said, oh, this yeah. sexist uh, uh, song and the, he, the man is a predator. And uh, so we flipped it around and we made the woman the predator. <laughs> <laughs> well, it made you the object of affection, oh, too. That was quite the I get it. Talk about madness. Right. That's the version my wife and I are going to sing yeah. from now on. <laughs> But I wanted to extend a thank you too for TJ because he was very grateful. I think they did a lot of good with that compilation. They had yeah. Al Jarreau and who else was on there, John? It was uh, Chris Christian, uh, Derek Holt from Climax Blues Band. It was yeah, Orleans, a star-studded affair, and of course, Paige Orleans had another one. Yep, we'll have a song. We'll have a song for you. You will. All, All right, right, it's awesome. underway. We're already begun. Good. Yep. All right, TJ, you heard it here first. What else is next though for you, Mark? What's your next creative pursuit? Do you have an album in the works yet? <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I do. I have songs in the works and um uh, and I'm just working on them now and uh I I think I'm going to reverse the process next. I think what I'm going to do is just put out singles hmm. and uh then at the end of that make a make a CD. And then you're doing uh shows too, right? Yeah, doing some concerts and uh I I I I love playing live now. You know, I I never used to like it, but I I, I do love the interaction between the audience and and the stage. You know, it's a it's a kind of beautiful connection. Will there be shows in the states? Maybe. Okay. Um, maybe on the west coast. Uh, we're, we've got a little bit of interest. We've got more interest in, um, believe it or not, Italy and France. Hmm. And uh, and and the Netherlands, like uh, Sweden and Denmark, and and also England now. So we might go over there in the next spring. Um, and what we'll do in the states, I'm not sure. Well, Detroit is about as close as you could get to Toronto. So if I could put I in a vote for yeah. Detroit, I will. Um, I, I did think okay. of one last question because yeah. um, John here is a uh, producer. John and I each actually have separate music projects, kind of not separate. They're more together, but we are sort of doing music that would be considered Yacht Rock era. You know, it's kind of an homage to the era and the sound. John actually came across a, a, a collaboration he's going to be doing with Dane Donahue, oh. which we've already talked about. And it's very much in the vein of what would have happened after his 1979 record. So my question is, do you ever envision yourself wanting to do a new project 
that harkens back to that sound when you kind of broke into the business. Uh, let's call it a West Coast. Sound. Uh, uh, um, not up until recently, but I, I actually talked to Graydon about it. Not um, uh, a few months ago. Mm, that would be and, epic. Um, yeah. It's just uh, getting the funding for it is 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 the hard thing because to get those to get all those amazing players and they won't be the same players but you know it's the same yeah ilk um takes a lot of money and uh if 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 a record company comes up with the dough i'd do it in a heartbeat no that would be awesome well, and i'd do it with jay and he mm. would do it well, if you call Foss, you get the whole mm-hmm. band back together, and now you've solved yeah. your money problems. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Foster's sick of the studio. Really? He's really. Uh, you know, those guys were doing three sessions a day, so that's nine, ten hours a day in the studio, and then it's L.A., so you got to think about between the studios was added probably two hours to your day so so 12 hours in in a room without windows <laughs> that's what i was basically. gonna say they didn't see much of the california sun in the 70s and 80s did they well if there were ever a time for what you and jay may be considering it's now i think the time has come um john if you want to contribute or start a uh, gofundme or something uh, well <laughs> you know what that would be cool it, it, be- what? the album that i put out last year um but when we first talked to you i asked if anyone had covered dance with me from your hole in the wall album and you said no and i was kind of Hmm, bank that information. So I covered that song last year under You're kidding with, me. No, under the name uh, Page 99. And um, we did it very much Where in Can I hear it? Yeah, I will uh, I will send you a link in the email so you can check it out, but Okay. Uh, where was I even going with that? Oh, that uh, I, I, that's what it was. I'll, uh, all of the funds from that song, I'll put towards it. So you know, oh. you know, you know, way streaming makes all, makes all kinds of money. You, you know, I probably have about a quarter saved up. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. That won't even pay for the phone call to Foz. Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, cool, Mark. This was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad you're still very active because it gives us it gives us a reason and an excuse to get you on the show and talk about all this stuff. Uh, great work, and we can't wait to see what's coming next all right baby thanks for having me and you guys are really uh, very interesting to talk to <laughs> cool as are you thank you so thank much you. Mark. when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply you know, one thing, Tom, that uh, before we move on to the lightning round, that, you know, in a digital world today, a lot of Pro Tools recordings and all that stuff. And I know you can attest to this because you mentioned it on He Sang, She Sang. But I think it's also true of this album. In this digital world where even good recordings can sound flat, his stuff still just sounds amazing. Very pure, natural, real, dynamic, all of those things. 
Yeah, I remember my uh, comment on Facebook the first time somebody posted uh, Coltrane Sings the Blues. I just said, the man just knows how to record. And everything that goes along with it, performance, producing, you know, the sounds he gets, it's just fantastic all around. It's old school. It's because you're just capturing a performance. You're not, uh, let's say, trying to create one after the fact. Correct. Yep, exactly. All right. What do you think? I think it's time to go into the lightning round. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, You want to go first? I'll go first, only because uh, I had one kind of queued up, and then I went back and listened to it the first time that we interviewed Mark Jordan, and I realized that uh, it was already taken, and that was the Secret Love tune um, Mm -hmm. that Mark sang demo vocals on. uh, So that was interesting. So I thought, what the hey? I love the song so much. It's written by Jay Graydon, David Foster, Mark Jordan. They found it at sea. Maria Takeuchi found it at sea, so let's all find it at sea. Here's the Maria Takeuchi version of Secret Love. Indeed, indeed. Little, uh, what do they they call that? Um, City pop. City pop. There, You know how I love my city pop. I know. I almost said sophista pop. It's city pop. So, yeah, yeah, city pop. Very, very nice. Very nice. Well, my found at sea is a bit of a message in a bottle variant again. So, I uh, went to the Yacht Rock Nation. And um, because that would be probably the most, the strictest of uh, Yacht Rock sort of conversation. And I know I was posing the question to a loaded audience, but my question, I I specifically worded it in a way where I asked about pages versus Mr. Mister. Mm. And since they both, you know, have Richard Page and Steve George, not necessarily which one commercially did better, because we know we can just look that up, which one achieved greater artistic accomplishment. And, you know, as expected, I got a lot of Pages, duh, you know, pages for the win. You know, I I knew that there'd be a lot of pages, but I thought maybe there might be some interesting responses. And I pulled one that I thought was very thoughtful. Was it mine? No. Did you respond? I sure did. What'd you say? Oh, I said, uh, I think Mr. Mr. Achieved more artistically, but currently I am liking the pages catalog better. Okay. So that. Well, here is, uh, I'm not going to use the name on this because I don't know that he's a listener and I don't have necessarily the the rights to, but he said, uh, personally, I'd rather listen to Pages, not because they're a solid yacht rock unit with with great credentials, but because I like their specific sound and their songs more. I love the creamy analog synths, uh, vocal harmonies so much. But that being said, Mr. Mister is obviously greater commercial, but also artistic achievement. And here's the reason why. Pages may have been delightful for what they were, but they weren't exactly exceptional in their time. And their commercial success was negligible. Their songs didn't necessarily jump out in contrast when I play Yacht Rock and other things in the background. Um, There's nothing wrong with them, but they were doing what all their peers were doing at the time. And as the nation knows, they certainly had plenty of peers. Mr. Mister, on the other hand, were exceptional. They didn't really have any peers that he could name offhand. He says, I'm not really a big fan, but they were difficult to categorize. They were outliers. Nobody else sounded like them. I guess they fell somewhere between bombastic 
bombastic UK post synth work of like Tears for Fears, Songs in the Big Chair era, uh, the radio ready uh, prog pop of like Mike and the Mechanics or Trevor Horn's Yes era, maybe even a splash of Glass Tiger in there. So, you hmm. know, I get all that. Um, they were neither hard rock nor soft rock. They were synth heavy, but definitely not synth pop. There was a slight new wave influence, but a little more of an arena rock influence and weirdly not a trace of yacht rock or jazz in their sound, which we sort of alluded to at one point. But their work was ambitious. They dealt with big themes, had huge attention-grabbing sounds and arrangements where Pages was subtle and mostly made inoffensive love songs that never really made an impact outside of their little small scene. Uh, Kyrie from... um, Mr. Mister is inspired by the music of Bach and Eastern European liturgical rituals. Broken Wings was inspired by Khalil Gibran's novel of the same name, etc. Uh, but Pages is more um, sonically straightforward. It was uh, they may have been the official cats of the eighties, but Mister Mister made a bigger splash, exploring bigger ideas, bigger sounds, and aiming for the top instead of just fitting in perfectly what was already going on well said i think i agree with that yeah i thought that i i, I think i do too it, 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 the, it's well thought out and uh must be a lawyer i can see yeah. this wrote it all down and you know read it against uh, to a few people and got their reply and you know yeah or yeah. just uh chat gpt wrote it that that well that could be but i will say i remember when mr mr came out that sound sounded very new to my ears same. Whereas I bet if I was heard page 99 contemporaneously, it would have sounded like a lot of the things I had already heard. So, Well, that would be pages, but if it was that a Freudian slip and you said well, page 99? <laughs> I That's bet pages, yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. Page Sound 99 like sounds a lot like Mr. Mister, incidentally. So, Okay. Anyway, moving right along. What do you have for a buried treasure? Buried treasure, I just wanted to pick my favorite song, at least currently from Mark's new album, it's probably one of those albums where, depending on the day, depending on the time, it's going to be a different favorite song. But right now, the one that really gets me is Rio Grande. Underneath the freeway, it's a cold day in the sun. There's an old man dressed like John Wayne looking for someone. But I love it when you lie to me. See right Love it when you lie to me Cause every word is true So tell me that I suspect the same will be true of me too Cause I've already changed a few different times And the album's <laughs> only a few weeks old So Alright Well you know I told Mark when I first heard uh, The first track off the You know the first release off this I was surprised A it had come out so soon Forgetting that he was already working on this When we talked to him last time Yeah um, But B that it was so jazz in like traditional jazz influenced. And mm-hmm. then I went back and I listened to uh Mannequin. And I think I found the canary in the coal mine. Oh boy. So, I did the same thing. Not found the canary, but I went back to Mannequin just kind of to round the whole thing out. But go ahead. Yeah. So uh I found a very sort of jazzy type of tune. And this one is one step ahead of the blues. Circumstance would have allowed And love had been kinder than now I would stand up and come out of the rain Cause these tears I sweat As they fall into wet That my song nearly drowned in mystery 
Ooh, and it's even got the word blues, like Coltrane in the blues. Yeah, exactly. there you go. Well yeah. done. I believe that featured Tom Scott on tenor sax, I think. But So, yeah, that uh, showed that- So, Tom Scott plays the blues. Uh, well, they both play the blues. Okay. Everyone's playing the blues. John True. Coltrane singing the blues, whatever. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, I think that foreshadowed the uh, jazzy side that Mark attested that he uh, Yeah, he has. says he always had it, but he went with what was happening at the time. The people that were around him were playing a certain way, so that was what they did. Truth. All right. Well, uh, I think it's for me off the map then. Yep. Just as you did with this new record, I am going to go back to the song I told Mark was my favorite track off. He sang, she sang, and I'm going to put it on the map for off the map. This is the beautiful long shot once again. There ain't no reason. Kind of a rocker, you know? That one yeah. uh, surprised me, energy-wise. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. All right, what do you have off the map? Uh, shameless promotion. You heard it in the intro, you're going to hear it on the outro, but I'm going to play it now. This is Page 99's cover of Mark Jordan's Dance With Me. Dance with me I will be your man Have you heard back from Mark yet? Did you remember to send him your version? I did remember to send it. I have not heard back, but it's only been at this point, what, a day and a half, day and a half. Yeah. yeah. All right. Very good. Well, anything else to add? Uh, how do you say ahoy polloi in Canadian? Ahoy polloi. Ahoy polloi. 